Hello, everyone. This is Greg Jovenson, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine, and your host for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Gordon McCall. Gordon is the CEO of McCall Events and Director of Motorsports at Quail Lodge and Golf Club in Carmel Valley, California. The 12th Annual Quail Motorcycle Gathering, presented by GEICO, takes place this Saturday, May 14th. The sold-out Quail Ride, a 100-mile ride for 100 motorcycles that includes parade laps at Laguna Seca Raceway and a gala dinner, is on Friday, May 13th. The Quail Motorcycle Gathering features more than 350 motorcycles displayed on the golf course at the Quail Lodge. There are 11 traditional classes, including American, British, Japanese, competition, antique, and others. Featured classes at the 2022 Quail include Harley-Davidson XR750, BMW Slash 5, two-stroke Brats, and Mini Bikes Big Fun. This year's Legend of the Sport guest will be Roland Sands. We talk with Gordon about the history of the Quail, what makes the Monterey Peninsula such a special place for motorcycle and car events, and what attendees can expect. The Quail was on hiatus for two years due to the pandemic, so Gordon and the Quail team are excited to welcome motorcycle enthusiasts back this year. Tickets for the Quail Motorcycle Gathering are available online or at the gate. Stay tuned for another great episode. Presented by GEICO. Uh, there was a two-year hiatus, so this will be the first time the Quail uh, will be held uh, since 2019. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So it's actually uh, three years since we've done this show. Three years. And is this will be the 12th iteration of the Quail Motorcycle Gathering. Is that correct? Well, yes, it is correct, and it's it's for those somatics, you know, it's uh, those off years uh, kind of right. threw us off. So we're referring to it as the twelfth annual, correct? Awesome. Yep. Now, for folks that are not familiar with the quail, could you just give us a little bit of a background about um, what the event entails? Sure. You know, motorcycle shows have have kind of come and gone o- over the years, and one of the things that we wanted to do was highlight the hospitality opportunities that Quail Lodge and Golf Club offer. You know, it, it is a resort. It's an amazing property. Um, we do a very popular car show each August during Monterey's Car Week, for which we've included motorcycles since day one. That show will be 19 years old this year. So about 12 years ago, actually 14 technically with the pandemic, uh, we decided to do a standalone event and just feature motorcycles. And I have to say, uh, with the efforts of the Peninsula Signature Events Department within the Quail Lodge and Golf Club under the direction of Courtney Ferranti, they do an amazing job. I mean, that office does all the heavy lifting uh, to produce this event. And it's it's something that, in fact, stands on its own. It's motorcycles only. And you know, Greg, quite frankly, with motorcycle shows, sometimes people aren't used to, and I'm a biker, I've been one, I'm kind of associated in the vintage car world, but I've been into bikes my whole life and prior to an interest in cars, I had an interest in motorcycles like a lot of us. At 14, I had my first motorcycle, which I still have today, which is kind of embarrassing. But at any rate, we um, we wanted to uh, really showcase uh, kind of a, a proper show that represented everything. And that sounds kind of uh, fluffy. Um, you know, like so many shows get uh, pigeonholed into it's a British show, it's a custom show, it's a this, that or the other show. Right. Well, the Quail is really an all inclusive show that literally has everything. You know, we, we've got, you know, Grand Prix racers, we've got custom builders, we've got choppers and scooters. I mean, it's everything. And our philosophy has always been, and this comes from being a true bike guy, is if it's got two wheels, that's the common thread here. You know, and 
it it it, it kind of sounds like well that's not going to work is it aren't those like apples and oranges and as as it turns out no it's not we all share this common common interest in motorcycles and i can't believe some of the relationships that have come out of this show it's it's really remarkable quite frankly well you know that maybe if people aren't aware that you know sometimes people as you said think of motorcycle shows as well they're going to be vintage bikes or they're going to be um harley davidson's or they're going to be something but you know at these quail events you've got hundreds of motorcycles and some of them are vintage some of them uh, fit into specific categories but you also have some new motorcycles you have some manufacturers that uh, will have yeah. displays there now uh my understanding is that you have some traditional classes that are typically at every quail event so you've got say uh, a european class or an italian right. class various classes in which people can display and yep. then those motorcycles are judged within each of those classes and then there's a best in show is that how it works yeah that's how it works so we have 11 standard classes which re you know which recur reoccur every year and like you said greg uh, it covers all the bases you know antique american british european etc cetera, etc cetera. in addition to that we like to offer some featured categories uh, with this pause with the pandemic it kind of messed up our anniversaries because uh, a real significant one, at least in my book, is that was the 50th anniversary of the Harley Davidson XR750, right. you know, argu arguably the most successful competition motorcycle in the history of two wheels. Uh, it was celebrated 50 years uh, two years ago. Well, we're rolling that over because it's it's a significant mark, and we've got some wonderful XRs coming to the show. Um, we also have, um, you know, it's funny. There's a word that I think you would agree. When you hear the word, you can smell what that word represents. And we're, we're featuring a two-stroke category, and we're calling it BRAP. <laughs> so when you say the word BRAP, I think we all can go. We go right there. We know that sound, and we yep. know that smell. So we've got a whole two-stroke category uh, with you know everything under the sun in it that's got two-stroke uh, driven driven motors. Um, we've also got a, uh, a mini bike class. You know, I think we'd agree that we all got our start there. You sure. know, whether it was thumbing through a Sears catalog or the, the friend down the street that had the taco or the bonanza or whatever, uh, mini bikes were very influential in a lot of us motorcyclists' uh, lives. And so we've got a whole category of them. Uh, and then also, we thought it was appropriate. It was the 50th anniversary of the Slash 5 BMW. You know, one of the most customizable motorcycles out there, and we've got a slew of those coming as well. So, so in addition to our traditional classes, we have these special features, and you know, every year we like to honor a significant person that's uh, contributed to the motorcycle community. And in the past, we've covered all the bases with the Grand Prix stars. We've had Kenny Roberts and Eddie Lawson and Wayne Rainey, and you go down the line, uh, Gene Romero, Mert Lawwell. Uh, you know, pretty big names in the bike world. Well, we shifted gears a little bit. Uh, a few years ago, and we honored Arlen Ness, and I'm I'm really grateful that we did when we did. Obviously, Arlen is no longer with us, but we brought his son Corey and grandson Zach along. And what that did was it kind of opened up, you know, the custom world. We can't ignore how popular the custom world is. Absolutely. And, and you know, he's the grandfather, was the grandfather of the custom movement. Well, this year we're honoring Roland Sands. And Roland is, uh, in, in our book, kind of the heir apparent, uh, one of them at least, to, to what Arlen really started, the movement Arlen started. So we're honoring Roland. Awesome. I, you know, and Roland, he's got, uh, you kind of get a twofer. He's a yeah. AMA 250 champion, so he's a former racer, but he yep. has certainly made a, 
a huge name for himself in the custom bike world. I know he has uh, collaborated with many of the leading uh, manufacturers, whether it's BMW or mm -hmm. Harley Davidson or any yeah. of these others, as he's done custom projects and been commissioned. So, uh, yeah, he's a very, very uh, suitable person to be honored this year. That's great. Well, you know, it's kind of fun, Greg, as we started off, I've, I, I'm starting to call him Rolling Sands because we've rolled him <laughs> over three times as, as well. And uh, Roland, uh, I was actually introduced uh, to Roland uh, by my good friend, Wayne Rainey, a, a former GP star, and uh, who I was just with actually just a few minutes ago. Um, Roland, he'd heard of the show, but he didn't really know much about it. And as he learned more and as we sent our press release out and he talked to people that had been to the show, he got more and more interested in it, which is really cool. So his dad, Perry and Roland really started, uh, Perry really started his business um, out of a build. Uh, that 46 Indian, I believe he calls it the peyote pupper. Yes, yes. <laughs> Remember that bike, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so that bike is coming to the show. So is Roland's dad. His sister, Summer, is coming as well. He's bringing the whole family. He's bringing a bunch of bikes. Um, it's just going to be fun for us to kind of roll the carpet out for him. And most importantly, fun for our guests to be able to interact with Roland because he's a right. very approachable guy. And so uh, we're going to have a little fireside chat with him on the stage at noon. And um, I brought my other custom builder friend, Brian Fuller, into the fold as well. So Brian's going to sit down with me and we'll have a little chat with Roland and figure out how do you go from 250 Grand Prix <laughs> champ, uh, in 93 to one of the preeminent custom builders uh, and, you know, clothing manufacturers for quite frankly, right. you know, big into that, too. So. Yeah. yeah, he is uh, multi-talented and he's he's built quite a, an empire for himself. I know that you're involved with the Laguna Seca Raceway. Have you had a chance to see any of the King of the Baggers racing? I know he, he campaigns yeah. a, an Indian chief uh, under the Roland Sands name. So Absolutely. Well, you know, funny you mentioned uh, the whole Moto America Bagger series, which is who would have guessed <laughs> that series would turn into what it has. But, you know, Moto America is actually a uh, the creation of Moto America. Uh, you could point the finger back to the Quail Motorcycle Gathering as to where Moto America was was formed. Wow! It, it all came through getting some mutual friends together. I mentioned Wayne Rainey earlier. Got Wayne together with Richard Varner. Uh, we sat down in my office a few weeks after that show. Um, I've got a TZ750 in my office, and uh, we kind of talked about how come there isn't a modern version of that bike today talking about dominant road racers. And uh, next thing, Richard Pollock gets involved with building a bike. It ended up on the cover of Cycle World. Wayne and Richard, uh, along with a couple others, um, created Moto America, which has basically saved road racing in the US. You know, Absolutely. And in Wayne's view, it wasn't enough to be a former three-time world champion. He wanted to be the guy that helped find the next American world champion. And lo and behold, a few weeks ago, Joe Roberts, took a podium in Moto3 over in, uh, over in Europe. So it's working. I had the opportunity to interview Wayne on the podcast uh, probably about a year ago. And I uh, know he lives there in Monterey, as you do. Yep. And, um, yep. you know, I was always, you know, admired him as a, as a champion, never had an opportunity to speak with him personally. But, you know, he's, uh, Wayne is obviously very down to earth, but also just very dedicated to the sport in which, you know, he has oh. competed and um, he, totally he was part of that generation that included, you know, Kevin Schwantz and, and himself and uh, Freddie Spencer and Eddie Lawson of these American you know, racers who really reached the, the pinnacle in, in yeah. world GP racing. And, um, and 
I, I know that he wants to sort of return the American road racing series because the AMA Superbike series was always a major feeder class for, oh, absolutely. for, for GP to return it to its former glory. Yeah. That's what he's working on. He's also doing something that I think is incredibly inspiring and I'm, a, uh, I'm involved in this with him and it's an honor to do so. But, you know, he's heading to Goodwood in June and he's going to ride his 92 World Championship YZR 500. He's going to ride it up the hill climb at Goodwood in front wow. of 50,000 people. Yeah. So um, for anybody who has obstacles in their life, right? Um, to, to, to watch a guy who, who lives his life in a wheelchair now and has for the last 30 years, get on a 500cc Grand Prix championship bike and go up the hill is uh, it's inspiring. Wow. That's what kind of guy Wayne is, though. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yep. So, uh, speaking of Wayne, uh, so the 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 Quail Motorcycle Gathering, it's it's a one day event. Like I said, it's yep. this going to be this Saturday. It's May fourteenth, um, and we'll have a link to where people can get tickets if folks are Super. in the in the area. Um, but there, the day before, I know it's actually already sold out. But you have something called the Quail Ride. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah. So yeah, the Quail Ride. It's funny. Uh, a static a static show was in my book just. Uh, I don't want to call it not enough, but when it comes to motorcycles, you know, we all want to ride them. You know, that really is, you know, it's fun to look at them, but it's it's more fun to ride them. So we thought we'd do this ride idea, and I end up taking out 100 bikes on a 100-mile ride uh, the Friday before our Saturday show. And uh, we end up at Laguna Seca for a couple of laps, which wow. is kind of fun. Parade laps, we like to call them. <laughs> uh, but it, and then we have a big gala dinner uh, that night, you know, which is another, it's just a fun component. Now, as, as you'd mentioned, Greg, it does sell out early. So that component is is not available at this time, but uh, certainly next year it will be. And it's something I really encourage people to do because it gives you a chance to kind of get behind the ropes. Sure. And you just become a little bit more involved in the show. And I find that's the case with our entrance. You know, we get about 350 motorcycles on display. And I talk to a lot of my friends that show motorcycles there and they find that being a part of the show is, you know, I don't want to say it's more fun than being a spectator there, but it's, it just pulls you a little closer into the, to the action, you know, so it's, uh, it's fun. Well, I mean, for anybody who, uh, you know, hasn't, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to a couple of motorcycle press launches and had an opportunity to ride on Laguna Seca. So to take a motorcycle on the corkscrew, which is a, you know, world oh, yeah. famous corner uh, to be able to do that, but also to ride and see other motorcycles. And of course, you know, in the Monterey area for anybody who's not familiar with it, you know, Monterey, Carmel Valley, that's, you know, you're just north of Big Sur. It's some of the most scenic and beautiful riding in California. So uh, it's I ride a couple days a week. You know, I'm kind of a fair weather rider. I won't go out if it's nasty, but fortunately our weather around here is pretty good, but um, I don't mind getting caught in it. I just don't like to start off. <laughs> you know, we, we met, you mentioned the roads and it's funny, Greg, we've got several groups, uh, the largest being Brian Carroll's group, the Why We Ride to the Quail fundraiser that Brian does. And Brian is the gentleman that put together the Why We Ride documentary that was so popular a few years yes. back. Um, I was honored to be a part of that, but Brian puts together a, a group and they ride up from Southern California. Uh, when they get to the Monterey Peninsula, they realize they have just hit the most amazing roads and so little traffic in May. You right. can really, as a motorcyclist, it's a really great time to enjoy your bike and camaraderie, fellow riders, et cetera. It's really, really all good. Well, and then the, the quail, the main event, I think that's one of those things that's sort of like, whether it's the, uh, 
you know, the superbike races, whenever they're at Laguna Seca, you have people that ride from, you know, yeah. down from San Francisco up from LA. It's, it tends to be an annual pilgrimage for people. I think the quail, uh, the motorcycle gathering has become that for, for many people as well, where, Hey, let's get a group of people together and ride up from, uh, different areas. Like uh, one of our contributors, Clement Salvadori, known oh, yeah. by Beret, you know, I'm sure you know, Clem. I see him there every year. Yeah. So, you know, he rides up from Atascadero, um, our former editor in chief, Mark Tuttle, who, by the way, he's going to be attending this this Saturday, wanted to say hello. Um, oh, fantastic. Good guy. Uh, he'll be riding up from from Southern California. I unfortunately can't attend the quail this year. Uh, oh, I will be in Athens, Greece, about to kick off a two week motorcycle tour. So um, what, are you, what are you riding? Uh, I'll be on a BMW GS. I'm doing okay. a, I'm doing a yep. tour with Edelweiss Bike Travel, but it's a uh, nice two-week tour around Greece that we've been co-promoting for over a year. It got postponed because of COVID and so forth. So we're finally able to, to make it happen. So um, that's a valid reason, Greg. That's exactly. That's one of the few excuses the that, that that's worthwhile. <laughs> but like I said, people, you know, want to gather at this event because it's open to the public. You, you can, anybody can buy a ticket. You can come see the motorcycles. What, you know, is interesting is whenever you have a gathering of motorcycles, whether it's at a race or at a show, it's sometimes the, the the parking lot or the roads leading into oh, yeah. the show are can be just as interesting for some people because as they walk by and they see somebody's like, well, I want to ride this particular bike to this show, this right. event. And so there's a lot of tire kicking that goes on before they even come through the gate, I'm sure. Well, it's so true. And, you know, something, again, I have to hand it to Quail Lodge and Golf Club and the Peninsula Signature Events Department. They, they, they're in the hospitality business. It's what they do. And uh, kind of getting back to my what I was saying originally, Greg, is the idea of of motorcyclists being welcome guests. You know, um, when you arrive at this show, typically, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been on my motorcycle. I ride a GS Adventure as my my daily bike as well. And, you know, there's so often you can just tell you're getting that look where, yeah, no, you're not going to you can't park there. Right, <laughs> right, right. The opposite at Quail Lodge. It's like, no, please park right in front. We want you right here. You're a welcomed, valued guest. And the show before the show is is almost as good. It's amazing. We just line the bikes up on the street. It's an impressive gathering of bikes. But most importantly, it's this welcoming that takes place. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Well, you know, so not only do people get to see their friends or their friends bikes or strangers bikes i mean again being you know between los angeles and california you've got uh this is very much a motorcycle mad state yeah. that year-round riding so people will will bring all kinds of motorcycles but then when they get into the show the motorcycles are parked right there on the golf course i mean you're outside you know and yeah it may it may start off as a foggy morning i'm not sure about the may gray this weekend but uh we've got a great weather prediction coming in really? saturday yeah it's a, it'll be a little breezy but it's going to be clear and in the mid to high 60s so we're looking really good and you know it's funny getting back to your point too i think um as we've had questions, we used to have an auction, you know, Bonhams is a longtime supporter of, uh, of our August event, as well as our May motorcycle show. Uh, we used to have a Bonhams auction in conjunction with the show, but we just found that we were kind of competing against each other. Okay. You know, you've sure. got a cer certain amount of time during the day and, you know, you've got people there that are looking to buy motorcycles at an auction. And then you've got people looking to have fun and show their bikes. And so it got kind of a little wonky. And so we decided, look, let's just, let's just have this be about the show. Well, the reality is, majority of those motorcycles on our show field, even though there's no for sale signs, I think we right. all know in the bike <laughs> world, <laughs> everything's for sale. I, it's just amazing the connections that get made 
people stumble into a bike that they used to own years ago or that goes on all day long and i just love it i i it's such a neat component well you mentioned one of your featured classes this year is the the mini bikes uh mini bikes big fun i think is the name of the the class is you're absolutely right to be mini bikes are i mean i actually have a a brand new grom test bike in the garage but the the mini bikes that many people grew up on i'm sure you keep up with this but the values of you know old you know honda trails you know 70s 90s 70s for car money now uh, it's it's pretty (laughs) remarkable and they can be pretty you know rough shape around the edges but uh yeah they're commanding high prices so that's a really great part of any motorcycle show is the uh the nostalgia that people feel for certain of these some some of them are aspirational vehicles i mean you'll have right. vengeance and other machines that somebody's never owned but they've always lost it after yep. uh i see you've got one behind you on the wall um is oh that's my uh that's my black shadow yeah <laughs> ah yeah so um but you know a mini bike is something that most people have probably owned or they had some a neighbor that owned one it's True. It's it's less about the aspiration uh, than it is about the nostalgia and sort of reconnecting with the roots of when they first started to ride. You know, nostalgia is certainly a big part, I think, of, of why all of us are so well connected uh, in this motorcycle world. It, there's something about the memories that we all have. We, we all share very similar memories in terms of your first bike and how you went about pulling that off in the household. And it's a a very common story. And, you know, it's funny, Greg, something I've learned over the years is um, I I really feel this way. Again, I I spent a lot of time in the vintage car world professionally and and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I find that the vintage motorcycle world, it reminds me of the vintage car world of about 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. Um, You know, we can thank things like auction companies and and publications for uh, really focusing on the value of vintage cars. Sure. That's really become a thing the past, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever. Um, And it seems like that's often a first question, especially if it's somebody that's not really in that world and they see a vintage Ferrari or whatever. The first thing they'll say is, is that the one that I just read about that sold for $20 million? You know, the numbers start coming into play. Whereas in the vintage bike world, it's typically the last thing any of us talk about. It, right. It's not what the motorcycle's worth. It's got more to do with, was it your dad's? Did, is that the bike you learned how to ride on? Is that, you know, there's more of a, I want to call it authentic because it's it's not like it's not authentic in the car world. It's just, it, it's, it's nostalgic, quite frankly. You know? you know, what's interesting about that is, uh, so Polaris Industries bought the rights to the Indian Motorcycle Company and yeah relaunched it in for the in 2013 for I guess it was a 2014 model year so we're about nine years in under Polaris ownership so um, what's interesting is they make great motorcycles but the when they first came out with them they had much more of the traditional look with the balanced fenders Uh, there would be some fringe perhaps on, on the seats and so forth now they've modernized the look of those bikes but there's still the Indian logo still the Indian the headdress on the on the fender and of the test bikes that I've been on, um, whenever I'm on an Indian test bike, I'll be at a gas station, I'll be at a diner, and yep. invariably somebody comes up to me and starts talking to me about their father's Indian or their grandfather's Indian or something. They know nothing else. They may not even realize that it's it's a contemporary or modern motorcycle with right. ABS and traction control and ride modes and all these things, but it just looks yeah. very traditional with chrome. But it just it's the Indian name, just like it for many people have the Harley Davidson name, yeah. or maybe Triumph or some of these brands that um, 
their their father or neighbor or somebody must have, may have owned but indian seems to have really reignited that for some people uh, i totally you know. agree i totally agree you know i think something else that is it definitely applies in the in the motorcycle world particularly the vintage motorcycle world and that is you can't fake it you just can't <laughs> fake it you know yeah. um with vintage and i do vintage race old cars but um you know you can get away with a lot in a vintage old old vintage car you know, if it's a Can-Am car, you can park it in the corners, stab it down the straightaway. You can you can pull it off. You can kind of Walter Mitty your way <laughs> into that scene, right? Try doing that on a 500cc Manx, you know, good right. luck. It, 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 so therefore, that word authentic comes to mind because you really have to be 100% engaged in, in what it is that you're doing. And I think for that reason, it just kind of, it kind of makes the folks that are in it really in it. You know, it's it's an all-in thing. It's not a casual... Um, and at the same time, and this is without any disrespect, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I've got a Voltaco 250 Matralla here in my office, which there's a reason for that. I, I'm like a trained circus bear on that bike and that, that bike <laughs> is better, it's better in my office than it is me riding it. I'm six, five. So I just thought that bike would not fit, but I love looking at it. And so there's that element of vintage motorcycles also is the office art component. Sure. Some of these motorcycles are just flat out beautiful to look at. You know, you don't have to ride them to appreciate them. You really don't, you know? Well, I was fortunate to go to the Art of the Motorcycle exhibit when it opened oh, in 1998 yeah. at the Guggenheim. And I lived in Philadelphia at the time. I rode up on my motorcycle. And you were talking about the Quail Lodge uh, welcoming motorcyclists. Yeah. Of course, there on in the, the street or the curb in front of the Guggenheim, they had motorcycle-only parking. And so it would be nice. lined up. And it was just a, it was a cool sort of experience. But then, you know, inside, uh, I mean, anybody who's attended any version of that uh, that show that I know it went to Las Vegas and Bilbao yeah. and so forth, different Guggenheims, but just the, that was the whole premise of that show is the art of the motorcycle. And it broke attendance records for an art museum and that ruffled some feathers in the traditional art world, but it really yeah. is about the, you know, the, the, the sculpture of, of tanks and bodywork and the shapes of, of exhaust pipes and, and fins yeah. on, on cylinder heads and so forth. It was just really a, a pretty special show that really brought that home. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I also think the idea of the design element of motorcycles, I've always loved the fact that you can't hide anything. Right. So, uh, unless you're a Pacific Coast Honda. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's out there for the world to see. Right. And, and I, I just think that is, uh, there's that artistic side of it, you know, um, even when you see, you know, some of the, some of the petcocks from the thirties, it's like, whoa, they really put some time into that design, you know, it's really, Absolutely. really neat. Yep. Well, uh, not sure if you had a chance to see it, but uh, the SFO Museum, which is in several terminals, uh, has yeah. various uh, exhibits that are, and they had one last year about uh, early American motorcycles. That was a really stunning event. I didn't see it personally, but we had a feature about it, had some stunning photography and so forth. And uh, just looking at some of the, types of metal used and the shapes and, and some of the detail images of some of those motorcycles and being able to go to a show like the Quail and just get up there close and you're not gonna be behind a velvet rope. You can get up and, and look very closely at these. There's no ropes, there's yeah. no ropes there. And you know, chances are, um, especially with the custom bikes, you know, just hang out long enough around the bike and you'll end up talking to the person that built it. Sure. You know? Um, yeah, it's really neat. And if it's, uh, if it's got any kind of alloy gas tanks or, you know, any kind of the Evan Wilcox type of custom, all you have to do is look at the hands of the person standing next to the bike and you'll be able to figure out if that's the person that built it or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no disguising that. 
So Gordon, you're, uh, you live and work in Monterey. I'm curious, like uh, I'm not originally from California. I've lived here for about 15 years, but okay. with the Pebble Beach Concord base there, there's obviously Laguna Seca. There's the, you know, the, uh, the historic car races. How did this sort of become this uh, uh, nucleus for both vintage car and motorcycle gatherings and, and, and the car shows? And I know Monterey Car Week is a huge thing in August. So sure, how did that come about? Sure. Well, you know, I think if you if you had to put a finger on it, Greg, um, a lot of it uh, can be traced back to a guy named Trader Vic, who was a real outgoing San Francisco restaurateur entertainer. Okay. Um, he he threw amazing parties. Um, the road races in the Del Monte Forest in Pebble Beach is really what started it all in the early 1950s. You know, wow. before there were car shows, before there was auctions, before there was any of that. There was road racing in Pebble Beach, and that lasted up until 1956 when there was a fatality. A guy named Ernie McAfee hit a pine tree in his Ferrari wow. and perished. And that's when they said, that's it with the road racing in on the roads. Um, and that's when they built Laguna Seca Raceway. So what happened, I think, is the Concours, the Pebble Beach Concours, for which it is the granddaddy of them all um, you know, worldwide, that broke out, you know, a couple of years after the first the first road races, and then they kind of ran them in conjunction. And then, you know, you get Laguna Seca built. And so people started coming here for that. Um, the history at Laguna Seca Raceway is bar none. It really is incredible. Every famous race car driver in the world, including motorcycles, has been on that track. And, you know, it's an area that's just very appealing for enjoying motor cars and motorbikes. You know, the, the weather here is great. Uh, it's a wonderful destination. Um, you know, one of the things we like to do uh, with our quail motorcycle gathering is we leave Sunday open so that people that travel here from elsewhere, even if it's just a car ride down from sure. Santa Cruz or whatever, gives them Sunday to enjoy the peninsula, go to the aquarium. I mean, it's a world class aquarium here. There's wine tasting. I mean, there's you name it. Right. So I think it's got a, it's a combination. It's like, why is there a Formula One race at Monaco? <laughs> it's, right, right. It's a similar, similar situation. It's like, well, why isn't there one there? It's a, an amazing place to go visit. Right. I think the same can be said for the Monterey Peninsula and um, motorcycles and motor cars. That makes sense. I mean, like I said, if you've got a racetrack, world-class racetrack in your backyard, you've got world-class uh, roads. Uh, I know just from having been on press launches and photo shoots, I've done uh, uh, photo shoots on Carmel Valley Road, uh, yeah. up and down Highway 1. Um, you know, a lot of scenic places there out around the, the peninsula, around Pacific Grove and so forth. So yeah. it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a very charming, appealing place visually and in terms of scenic roads. And like I said, you've got year round riding. I think uh, people that come from, that are not from California, that come to Monterey in the summer, are probably quite surprised at how cold and foggy it can be right out on the coast. <laughs> uh, it gets a little nippy around here, but you know, yeah. we also now have a world-class motorcycle museum here too, thanks to Rob Talbot and the Moto Talbot Museum. That's right. Sleepy little Carmel Valley Village, which is out towards where I live. Uh, Rob has got a couple hundred motorcycles in that building now. And there is a great example of a passion collector. It's all passion driven. And, uh, you know, he's no longer in the wine business. He sold the clothing business, uh, the family business. He's all about motorcycles now. And it's a treat to go stop in on that on that museum. Yeah, that's right. That Moto Talbot Museum, that's fantastic collection. So, you know, you've 
basically got the quail gathering coming up this Saturday uh, and then the quail, the motorsports gathering, which is focused, as you said, more on cars will be in August. Is that correct? Yes, that's in August. And we always, like I said earlier, we always have motorcycles as a part of that show. So we'll have, uh, we'll have some important motorbikes there as well. Um, yeah. Car week is Monterey car week is, is another thing. Monterey car week gets a little bunchy on the, on the Monterey peninsula. You know, there's only so <laughs> many hotel rooms. There's, you know, only so many two lane roads. It gets it, it for people that are into it. It really is an exciting time to come to the Monterey Peninsula. But that's what's fun about doing the standalone show in May. Right. You know, May is a really great time to come here. We get good weather. Um, the peninsula isn't packed with people for other reasons. You know, school's not out yet type of thing. Right. It's, just a, it's a it's a really, really good time just to come bring the family and have some fun and enjoy some motorcycles. Well, great. I'm sure that you're chopping at the bit to get this event underway after having it uh, on hold for a couple of years. We can't wait. You know, there really is. There's as much as much pent up desire as there is for people coming. And there, there really is. I mean, we're we hear it every day. Um, we have the same pent up desire. We cannot wait to welcome people back and enjoy two wheels again. You know, it's time. That's great. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm really sorry to miss the, uh, the gathering this year. Yeah, we're going to miss uh, our former editor in chief Mark Tuttle will be there and I, I think Clem will probably be there so we'll definitely have a write up on our website and in the magazine and uh, like I said in the show notes we'll have links for information about tickets if somebody can't attend this year I know it's going to be kind of short notice, but yeah you could plan for next year, especially for something like the legends ride, you know, to get involved yeah. and come out for that special event. Well, and for late planners, we make tickets available day of, you know, a lot okay. of folks just like to stick their head out the window and see what the weather's going to look like. And <laughs> if it looks like it's worth hopping on the bike and heading down to Carmel Valley, you know, we've got tickets, we'll have tickets at the door. So come on by. That's great. Yeah. Well, Gordon, I really appreciate your time. Have a successful event. Likewise, Greg. Thanks for everything you do. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. For the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com, where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Writer Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening. 